0: Good evening and welcome to another look. Tonight we are going to ask ourselves what makes for a good feast? As we're aware, the book of Esther is full of feasts. And in fact, when uh, we look at an outline in just a few moments, we're gonna see that feasts play a pretty significant role in organizing um, the book of Esther and also helping us to see where the important plot points fall. But before we get to that, I wanna invite you to reflect a little bit uh, on what makes for a good feast. Most of us, most of us don't necessarily have a whole lot of uh, hosting of feasts other than maybe Christmas or Thanksgiving, perhaps there's a 4th of July celebration where we have a feast. Most of us, I think, would, would say that you got to have good food, and probably you have to have a lot of food. You have to have time. Usually feasts involve uh, time where you converse, where you uh, share memories, where you talk about things that are important to you. Feasts usually involve uh, something special to drink. At least for me, growing up, Christmas time and Christmas feasts as a kid, we were always allowed to have uh, something special at uh, on the night of, of opening Christmas presents. Usually, with a feast, you have uh, you make some punch or you have something extra. And feasts involve all kinds of different special things. There's dishes, and glasses, and tableware, and centerpieces, and all of that provides an extravagance to the feast. My guess is that as you're thinking about some of the feasts that are important in your life, uh, you're probably thinking about some different characteristics as well. But one of the things that the organizing principle of esther around feasts does for us is it makes a, uh, it causes us to wonder about the purpose of a feast especially the purpose of the feast where esther is pleading her case in front of the king Esther chapter 7, verses 1 through 10, those verses that we looked at this morning. I've got a piece of paper here, and you can see on the paper that there are, uh, it's sort of a in and out look. And you can see that at the beginning of the book of Esther, there are two feasts. There's the feast for all of Persian kingdom. There's the feast for the people in Susa. At the end of the book, there are two feasts of Purim. Then you can see that there are two feasts sort of in between, where we find uh, Esther being enthroned and Mordecai being enthroned. And so those are very similar kinds of feasts. And then around that key verse, chapter 6, verse 1, where the king can't sleep, We have the first banquet with Haman and Xerxes and the second banquet with Haman and Xerxes. And so it's pretty evident that these feasts are, uh, that the author is using these feasts as a way of building the tension, of moving the plot along and pointing us toward those key spots uh, where the story is hanging. The feasts at the end of the book and at the beginning of the book are celebrations, right? They're extravagant. They're over the top. All of Persia comes out for King Xerxes. All of the kingdom celebrates the deliverance of the Jews. In between, we have those coronation feasts, which are a little smaller, but they certainly mark a joyous celebration. Right. Esther is crowned queen, Mordecai is crowned as well. And then in the middle we get these two feasts with Esther, Haman and the king. And they these feasts are the importance of these feasts rather is around the request. The first feast in chapter 5 The king asks Esther, what's your request? What do you want? I'll give you half the kingdom if you want. And Esther recognizing that this is all brand new for her, for the king, for her being in the presence of Haman. After all, she's just been allowed into the presence of the king as he extends the golden scepter after 30 months apart. Uh, Esther sort of plays the slow game and asks for a second feast and it's at this second feast where she pleads for her life. in fact Haman does the same and ultimately meets his demise but Esther pleads for her life and it's uh, it's a, a rather odd scene, isn't it? to think that in the midst of the, this extravagance that we associate with feasts, full glasses, full plates, extraordinary centerpieces, uh, beautiful furnishings, guests who are decked to the nines, who are all prepared and made uh, prim and proper. But in the midst of all of this, we find Esther Pleading for her life. And as I was reflecting on this this week, I couldn't help but think of the feast that we celebrate as Christians. And that so often when we come to the Feast of Communion, the Lord's Supper, we maybe imagine that we are pleading for our lives, that we are showing up so broken and sinful, feeling far from God and alone, that communion is a little bit of our pleading our case. God, will you accept me this once more and allow me to receive the gifts of Jesus Christ? and yet that's not at all the kind of feast that God our Father is hosting for us through his son Jesus Christ like Esther when we come to the feast the everything is prepared but just and but unlike Esther our request has already been answered In some ways, when Esther came to that second feast of Haman and Xerxes, she too knew that the king would answer her request, and yet there was still fear, still wondering whether or not the king would grant her request, whether or not the king would say yes, whether or not everything would be just right, and he would have enough wine, and he would be happy enough to respond positively to her. Yet when you and I approach the feast, the feast of the Lamb, Communion, the Lord's Supper, there's no doubt how God is responding and will respond to us. We are reminded of the words, the gifts of God for the people of God. Many of us grew up using the old form where the ending of the certain, uh, the preparatory section said, come now for all is ready. As a kid, I always assumed that meant the bread was cut, the classes were filled, and we had gone through all that long language of getting things ready. And as I've gotten older, I realize that the, the phrase come now, for all is ready, has really nothing to do with the physical expression of the eating and the drinking, but rather what makes this possible, the love of God, the grace of Jesus Christ and the presence of the Spirit, it's already. Let's pray. God, we thank you again for the gift of the book of Esther and how, how it helps us to see where you are at work. And as we think about and reflect on the feast of communion, we're gonna be celebrating it in a couple of weeks. On the 26th of February, we're going to be celebrating it on Good Friday and on Easter. May we remember that all has been made ready, and we do not need to come afraid of how you will respond to our request. Grace has been extended. And so may we receive that with gladness and come with thankful hearts. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.